Turn with me to Exodus 32. If you guys hear that noise while I drink, it's the cup. The little hole's not big enough. So. Okay, it's gone. It's big now. Okay, so in Exodus 32, it's... I, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, this is one of the saddest moments of the Bible. One of the saddest moments. It kills me. Uh, you know, since chapter 20, like the end of chapter 24, you see how, you know, Moses begins his time in the mountain. He spends 40 days and 40 nights on the mountaintop. Well, not on the top, but, you know, there's like three layers. You think of it like three layers, tiers, or, you know, the, the, the first tier is ground level. That's the base camp where everybody is at, all the, 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 the congregation of Israel. And then the middle point, actually, there's four points. The, uh, you go up a little bit higher and you see uh, Aaron and the elders. You go up a little bit higher and you see um, Joshua. And then you go up a little bit higher into the cloud and that's where Moses is at. He's with the Lord. He's speaking with the Lord. The Lord is speaking to him and giving him these blueprints. And what's so beautiful in this, this whole time... Chapter 25 to chapter 31, you know, the Lord is giving Moses these blueprints. And he's giving him these blueprints, which are not put to effect until chapter 35. In chapter 35, you start to see the execution of the blueprints. But from 32 to 35, it's terrible. Chapter 32 kills me. It's so incredibly sad, the evil that has happened in the camp of Israel. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad stuff. And, you know, it, it's such a trip because if you're honest with yourself, it, it kind of reminds me of me. It kind of reminds me of me. You, you might say, I, I shouldn't say if you're honest with yourself. Because you, could, you might say, well, it's not me. It's not me at all. But always remember for the, ex the, the duration of your life until the Lord calls us home. Until the Lord personally calls you home personally. Uh, you're under construction. You know, you're not a, 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 you're a work in progress. You're not a finished product. You're a work in progress. When you are a finished product, you'll be dead. You'll be dead. When, you know, remember Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, the author and completer of our faith. There is going to be a moment in time where we won't need faith anymore because we'll see him face to face, eye to eye. We'll be in our glorified bodies. And, you know, it kind of reminds, you know, you, you see in the life of a Christian, the ups and downs, you know, on fire for the Lord, you know, not on fire for the Lord. You know, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. And I'm not trying to say like, okay, you know, expect to be on the bottom. No, it's like, you know, you, you go up and you go down a little bit. And you go up higher, you go down a little bit. So the, the, the overall slope should be a good slope. 
you know it's not like you know some cases it goes up and then it just crashes down that's when you see people abandon the lord they leave the lord the great apostasy of the last days and there's a lot of you know look what happens here in in verse 1 of chapter 32 he says now when the people saw that moses delayed it's very very interesting what's happening here because don't forget that Moses is the one that had a very, very, very special intimacy with the Lord. Very special intimacy. I mean, the Lord, for the last several chapters, since chapter 25, the Lord has been giving Moses these blueprints. Blueprints. And now you see the people which have had no intimacy with the Lord. And you're going to start to see their behaviors. You're going to start to see their point of view and what they think is right. A group of people who have had zero intimacy with the Lord. And he's, they say, it says here, when, when Moses saw that Moses delayed. It's kind of interesting here because notice that, you know, it's on their time frame, on their timetable. When Moses went up to the mountain, you read in chapter 24, Moses goes up in the mountain and he has an, he builds an altar and, and he makes puts these pillar 12 pillars there at the base camp with the people. And he says, okay, I'm going to go up and be with the Lord. And the people are like, okay, you know, we're cool. But on their timetable, you know, all these, these, these chapters, since chapter 25, all these beautiful, beautiful blueprints. I'm not advocating the law. Remember, the law points to Jesus Christ. But what happens, the people think, oh, you know, Moses, I thought he was going to be gone for a couple days. I thought he was going to be gone for maybe two weeks max. But he's not coming back. He's not coming back. These are a group of people who have had no intimacy with the Lord. Remember, if you, re if you recall our study in chapter 20, they were kind of mad at Moses. Like, you know, you think you can only, you're the only one that speaks with the Lord. We want to hear his voice. And then Moses goes and prays to the Lord. And the Lord's like, okay, you know, I'll talk to them. Tell them to clean up. Tell them, you know, to, 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 to clean up their lives, clean up their homes. And I'll speak to them. And so Moses tells the people, okay, don't do this. Don't do this. You got to do this. And we're going to gather here, you know, in, a, in several more days. And the people are there. And then all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord blasts out like loud trumpets. And you think like, you know, wow, cool. You know, the voice of the Lord, just what the people wanted to hear. And finally, they said, Moses, we don't want to hear from the Lord they told Moses, Moses, you talk to the Lord and we, you tell us what the Lord says and we will do everything you say. We will be obedient to the Lord, but through you, we don't want to hear from the Lord. We don't want to talk to the Lord. You be the one. I think it's very interesting, this dichotomy of Moses and the people. When I say dichotomy, I mean Moses who has intimacy with the Lord and then the people and what they do, their behaviors. And I don't mean to freak anybody out. I don't want to come off as like, you know, I don't want to come off that way. 
But brother Paul writes to us and he says, all these things written, these accounts, they are written for our example and they are also written for our warning. That's what brother Paul says to a new covenant church. They're written for our admonition. And it blows me away so much because this concept of what the people thought. Moses isn't coming back. It's been a couple weeks. Maybe he's dead. We don't know what's happened. But look, it says now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. You see this phrase here, the people gathered together. Here, how you see a picture of this assembly or congregation, how it translates literally. You see unity of this group of people. They're united. But where in the world is the Lord? Where in the world is the Lord? You know, and I don't want to come off this way as like, you know, you see this sometimes how you see a large group of people, a large congregation a gathering of people united and you think like wow cool look how united they are but where is the lord where is the lord and then look what they do they gather together and then they approach aaron and you know what blows me away so much what in the world is aaron doing there (laughs) i mean we're just in verse one What in the world is Aaron doing there? Why is he here with the people? Because now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stir the pot a little bit or stir the cup a little bit. Lest the sediment has gone down to the bottom and needs stirring again. Turn with me to chapter 24. A little refresher course. Chapter 24. Look at. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm like these people, these men, like Stephen on Sunday. All these people. It's I. I want to like hug these guys so much, and I can't wait. You know, one day in our glorified bodies, we will. But I'm so in love with these guys, Moses and Stephen, and you know, we're just gonna read more and more and more about these beautiful, beautiful people, men and women. Deborah, I can't wait to embrace her and say, oh, your witness was so beautiful to me. Your witness helped me in my walk with the Lord. Thank you. So like you guys are going to be eating at a, at, a, at a table, you know, the marriage supper. And I'm going to be going around everybody like, where's Stephen? You know, come to Stephen. Oh, you're so beautiful, Stephen. He's like, Leave me alone. I'm trying to eat. You know, he wouldn't say that. But, but it's so, look what look at Moses here in verse four. In verse 4, it says that Moses, it says, And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what Moses did. He's at the bottom of the mountain. Remember, he's an old man. He's an old man. So, like, walking up a mountain, it's not an easy task. And yet, look what happens here. Like in, in, in verse 7, when he tells the people, he turns to the people. The people are the ones who say, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. That's what the people say to Moses. All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. 
All we have to do is fast forward several chapters, our study in chapter 32, and we're going to see the people don't live up to that. They're the ones who say everything that God has said we're going to do and we're going to be obedient. It's everything's fine. So you see, you know, Moses is with the people in verse four. Then you see the stance of the people in verse seven. Now let's look at what's happening here in verse 12, still in chapter 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. Translates literally translates as, you know, come up to the come up to me on the mountain and spend time with me. Spend time with me. Be there a while. I love that phrase so much. You see the intimacy, you know, the intimacy that the Lord has with Moses. That he desires with Moses. It's not just like, you know, I, I don't mean to speak loosely about our Lord. But it's not like he's giving orders. You know, I mean, he does give commands and orders. He does do that. But it's not like, how do I explain this? Like, okay, like, whenever I speak about military experiences, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm just, I don't speak boastfully. But like you see military experiences on TV or like in a movie, you see like everyone's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see it on TV. And it's that's one thing. But when you're actually in it and you actually living that lifestyle. There's a certain amount of love that you have for these men. I know it sounds weird. There's a certain amount of love and respect that you have for these men who are in positions of authority because you know that they're training you for a certain task and they're training you well. They're training you to the best of their ability. And so they might be stern in certain aspects of conduct, but there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is, you know, when you're actually doing some business and you have a certain level of love and respect. So it's not just like, you know, like you're a robot, even though like if, if you're on the outside looking in, you'd be like, man, these guys are a bunch of robots. But it's like you, you desire to be obedient because you respect that person. It's, it, I, I, don't, I don't know if I said that right, but. That's what's so beautiful about this intimacy that you have with the Lord and Moses. And I could stop it there and say, I shouldn't stop it there, but I could also add a little addendum. That's what's so beautiful about the Lord's intimacy with you. It's not to say like, you know, like you're a robot. But it's to illustrate the fact that the Lord is preparing you and equipping you. And how much more you can love him more and more deeper and deeper in this love relationship. So this phrase, come up to me on the mountain and be there, spend some time with me. It's not a small thing. People talk about the Old Testament God as if it's like there's a separation between the Old Testament and New Testament. But he's the same. He's the same. People say the God of the Old Testament, he's so mean, he's so vengeful, he's so full of wrath. I don't see that at all. I don't see that at all. I see tenderness in this phrase. Moses, come and spend time with me on the mountain. 
And I will give you tablets of stone and the law of the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. You see, the, the Lord's desire is for the people to be taught. This is what happens when there's intimacy with the Lord. If I can remind you too, Satan fights, fights against this endeavor. Satan doesn't want people being taught. We see that you know, in our study in the book of Acts on Sunday. You remember what they told Peter and you know, John and what, they're, what they told to Stephen? Don't teach in this name. They threw them in prison and they said, okay, they got them out of prison, set them to the side and said, what do we do? What do we do? And then the teacher of Paul, he started to speak and says, look, guys, you know, if you fight, you know, don't fight against them because you could be fighting against the Lord. So they, you know, they said, okay, you know, they brought Peter back in and, you know, and then they said, hey, don't don't teach in the name of the Lord anymore. Don't teach in the name of Jesus anymore. The name of Jesus don't teach anymore. The same thing is happening here. Satan, how he tries to prevent these things from happening. Look at the state of the people when Moses comes down from the mountain. Or, I, you know, we kind of know it, but we're going to like talk about it in depth. And it's going to gross you out. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you so sad. Because remember, like these are people that the Lord rescued out of Egypt. What happened? What in the world happened? This is a result of what happens when the Lord is forgotten. When the Lord is reduced from, you know, from the Lord to, you know, he becomes a forgotten thing. So Moses in verse 13 of chapter 24 says, so Moses arose with his assistant, Joshua. And I think it's so beautiful how Joshua, he didn't go down to the people. He kind of, he stayed right there. Joshua and Moses. And when Moses died, Joshua was number two in command. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us. You know, if you fast forward, we're going to, you know, we're going to see in chapter 32. Where were these elders? What happened to the elders? Because Moses says, hey, you guys wait here for us. And so when Moses is coming down from the mountain, you know, you'd expect them to see these people, the elders. Where is everybody? You know what happens? The elders, they go back to the people. Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. I think this is key. Because Moses is taking Joshua and they're going up to the mountain. But then before they go up to the mountain, he tells Aaron and her and the, the elders, he says, wait here, stay right here. The people are down at the bottom at base camp. But then he tells these other guys, you guys wait here. If any of these people have an issue, let them come to you. But you know what happens? Aaron, her, the elders, they go to the people. They go to the people. You might say in your mind, wait a second, Jay. Are you saying that we shouldn't go to people? I'm not. I don't want to imply that. 
What I'm saying is, yes, it's okay to go to people, but your heart, your mind, your soul, leave it on the mountain. Leave it on the mountain. An example we have is right where we're at on Sunday, Stephen. His body is with the people, but his mind, his heart, his soul is with the Lord. Remember, we're not of this world. We don't even belong here. I mean, like, here we are, we're English speaking. But, man, if, if we were like, if we were to take us right now, this is the way Christian fellowship and transport from here and go to some remote village in Saudi Arabia, we would stand out like a sore thumb. I, I might be able to fit in, you know, and wear my little deal, you know, I might be able to fit in. But we would stand out like a sore thumb. Once we started speaking, I said, hey, Fur, check out that car. People would look, who are these people? And they say, Fur is skin and all this. Oh, who who is that guy? Who are these people? We would stick out like a sore thumb because we're not from there. You know, and it's just like a little week-long visit. We're not from there. We're just passing by. But the same thing applies to Christians, to you. We don't even belong here. You go to the grocery store, you know, and you, you're you in line to your, you put your groceries on the thing. With you. I don't, you know, Liz does the shopping. But I mean, you take your cart and you put your stuff on the little conveyor belt, you know. And, you know, it's like you look at the magazines there and it's like, man, this is so gross. Let that be a testament to the fact that you don't even belong here. All these things, people say, this is gross, this is gross, and this is gross. You know, rejoice in these things. It's the fellowship of the saints. We don't belong here. You're right, it is gross. Or people say, hey, Jay, you know, check out this app. Look, I can be with this girl. I click this and I can be with this girl. Look, there's a a Motel 6 around the corner. I can be with her in 10 minutes. I say, that's gross. That's not right. Or somebody says, hey, Fur, check out this girl. I can be with her in 15 minutes at the Motel 6 around the corner. That's gross. That's not right. The Lord doesn't want that for you. And then all of a sudden, you know, the people start to hate you. And all you're doing is standing for righteousness. Yes, you're in the world, but your heart, your mind, and your soul, they're on the mountain. Remember, Satan is a fisherman too. And he's very, very effective. Very, very effective. It blows me away so much because it's like, wait a second, you know, you see, there's no difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in context of, you know, standing firmly on the rock of salvation. And we're going to see it in Moses. Moses as a type of Christ. Are you, you know, you might say, hey, Jay, are you saying that, you know, we're a type of Christ too? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Christ in you is him. It's the nature of the Lord. And it's Christ in you. 
Remember, this friendliness with the world is enmity with God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Here you see the difference. You know, Moses is the one who says here in verse 14, wait here for us. And when Moses comes down from the mountain where we're at in 32, in chapter 32, Aaron's not there. The elders aren't there. Her's not there. The only one that remained, you know, on the mountain was Joshua. Moses and Joshua. Everybody else went to the world. In verse 15 says, Then Moses went up to the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. And here you have this beautiful, beautiful intimacy with Moses and the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, let's fast forward to chapter 32 again. Chapter 32. In verse 1 still, the people gathered together to Aaron. So, you know, when I asked the question before, what in the world is Aaron doing there? Because in chapter 24, Moses says, wait here for us. But Aaron didn't wait there. The people gathered together. They go to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods. Translates as make us a God that shall go before us. Remember, this is a group of people that has not had, ha, ha, have not had intimacy with the Lord. No intimacy with God. None. And so what do they do? They create their own God. Does that sound familiar? Intimacy with God is such a beautiful thing. Spending time in the Holy Word praying unto him and not just praying unto him you know take a step back wait be silent be still and you can hear his voice you hear his voice from the word and then the word speaks and it's like it's like a phone conversation you say your thing the lord says his thing you say your thing the lord says his and it's like a beautiful conversation. That's the beauty of intimacy with the Lord. But for a people that doesn't, they don't have that, no intimacy. They go to Aaron and say, make us gods or make us a God that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Notice there's no acknowledgement of the Lord. None. Because they say, this is the man who brought us up out of Egypt. Instead of saying, it's the Lord who did this. After all they had seen. After all they had witnessed the pillars of fire. The plagues in Egypt. Walking through the sea on dry ground. After all they being fed manna. Quail, like uh, the quail. And. After all these things, they forgot the Lord. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. Remember, 40 days and 40 nights have passed. And this is like a little meanwhile type of thing. You know, like, you know, you have Moses on the mountain with the Lord. Meanwhile, look at what's happening at base camp. Way at the bottom. Look at what's happening among the people. We don't know what's become of him. In verse 2, and Aaron said to them, notice Aaron here, 
he becomes a man pleaser. He becomes a man pleaser. And because he becomes a man pleaser, he also becomes a facilitator of evil. This is a hardcore, hardcore message for pastors, elders, Bible teachers, deacons, bishops. A hardcore, hardcore message. Because if you become a man pleaser and you have no intimacy with the Lord, something can happen. You know, Satan is a master twister. That serpent of old who was a murderer from the beginning. All of a sudden, you become a facilitator of evil. The Lord says this. Oh, but look at the multitude of people that say this. I want to be friends with them. So you know what? It's okay. It's okay to live like that. It's okay to, you know, do those things. It's okay to partake of those things. But no, who is the, the God pleaser? This is a hardcore message to leadership, church leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, bishops, Bible teachers, people in ministry, youth group leaders. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. You know what's so sad about this? You know, think about all the gold that we've read about in the previous chapters. When the Lord giving the blueprints to Moses is saying, take this gold and use this gold to make, you know, the vessels of the tabernacle, to make the, the vessels of worship, to make and fashion all these things. Use that gold. But meanwhile, look at what's happening away from the cloud at the bottom of the mountain. Aaron is the one who says, take this gold. Take the gold from your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. It's such a trip, you know. What's also sad, I mean, this is a sad chapter. Don't forget that the Lord is telling Moses blueprints. He's giving him blueprints, but he specifically names Aaron. He says, I want to use Aaron. Hey, Moses, I want to use Aaron. I want to use him as a high priest. And look what's happening here. Look what Aaron's doing. In a weird kind of way, it gives me hope. Because think of the people in your life. When you are spending time with the Lord and you are having intimacy with the Lord and you're reading these beautiful promises of the Lord and you're soaking it in and you know what's happening at the bottom of the mountain. Man, the Lord says this, he promises this, and I'm going to be obedient. But you know what? This is what I see. My friends are like this. My family's like this. My neighbor's like this. And what's so cool that included in those blueprints that the Lord gave to Moses, included in those blueprints are the means for redemption for this fallen people. It's so beautiful. Just like he gives you and me the blueprints for redemption. So, yes, the world is ugly. Yes, there's the sin nature in this world that we live in. But then at the same time, never lose hope. Never, ever, ever lose hope. Be a fisher of men.
a fisher of women. Let your body, your flesh, your vessel, let it be among the people. But your mind, your heart, your very soul, the essence of your being, leave it up on the mountain. Leave it up on the mountain. It's so beautiful when you think and you start to realize what the Lord is doing here. I mean, it's beautiful, yes, but then it's painful as well. Because, you know, we're not going to finish the chapter today. We're going to kind of chop it up a little bit and consume the holy word of the Lord. But you start to see, this is what's so beautiful about understanding the character of the Lord. Because you start to see, whoa, there's things that the Lord doesn't like. And there are things that I like. And if you make God yield to you, that's idolatry. You're creating God in your own image. You're doing like the people in base camp. You're saying, hey, Aaron, make me a God as in, in my own image. But no, it's not you making God yield to you. It's you yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and saying, not my will, thy will. Lord, I used to love this crack. Lord, I used to love this alcohol. Lord, I used to love these sexual things. And you know what? Your will in my life. But look what happens to the people. Look what happens to the people. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says that these things written, what we're studying right now, Paul says to a new covenant church that they're written for our example and our warning. In verse 3, so all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. You start to see the people now. Their obedience is to a man who is yielding to people. Not God. It's not good. The people are yielding to a man who is, he has no intimacy with the Lord. A man who is yielding to the people. This is a hardcore message to pastors and elders. Pastors who speak things. They create a God in their own image. And they start to speak these things. And because the people are biblically illiterate, they start to believe what this man says. They start to believe what this woman says. They start to believe it because they don't want to spend time in the Bible. They don't want to have intimacy with the Lord. And so these people, they say these things, giving the people what they want. And you see a mess. You see it in the Old Testament, what we're looking at right here. And you also see it in the New Testament. And you also see it in the world today. In verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with, their, with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. This right here in verse 4 is a violation of the law that was just given to them not long ago. A violation of the law in chapter 20, verse 4. Don't make a graven image, a carved image. And what is Aaron doing? He took their gold and he's fashioning it with an engraving tool. He's making a graven image. And he made a molded calf, a molded calf. Then they said, 
This is your God. Another violation that was, that was just given to them. In chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Another violation, what we see right here. They made an idol, and they made this idol their God. He says, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. These are painful, painful words to read. Aaron is now complicit and is now facilitating this great apostasy. He's now a facilitator. And then not only that, he lies to Moses. He lies to Moses about it. Look at verse 24, a little fast forward. In verse 24 of Exodus 32, you know, this is, you know, when Moses finds out what's happening, what's going on. This is Aaron now speaking to Moses. He says, you know, and I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out. What a lame excuse. They gave me this gold. They gave me this gold. I threw it in the fire and then all of a sudden this golden calf came out. He lies. Because you straight up see. In verse 4. He received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. He lies about it. And you know, it just blows me away so much. Because you see the exact same thing today. The exact same thing. I mean, have you ever corrected somebody or tried to correct somebody as lovingly as you can, as you possibly can, with such egregious sin? And you say, brother, this isn't right. Forget about me. It's not right before the Lord. Oh, that's so, that's, it, it's no big deal. It's just a little drink. I just want to loosen up. It's, it's just, you don't know, I just want to loosen up. And it's okay, you know, you want to drink to loosen up, but don't forget, you know, when you're so-called loose, look at your behavior. Do you think you can exercise self-control when you're under that influence? I've seen your posts on social media. And it's one thing, I meant, we're going to get to, you know, we've already made our way around to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. But there's specifics to leadership in the church. Specifics. It's not the vessel saying, you know, hey, this is bad. It's the word saying, hey, this isn't bad. Clean your life up. Clean yourself up. It's... It's it, chapter 32. It's so applicable to the church today. And I don't, you know, I don't say that to attack the church. But don't forget that there's five wise virgins. Five wise and five foolish. What camp are you going to be in? What camp are we going to be in? I pray that we're the five wise 
I pray that we will remain the five wise. But that's not for me. I can only account for my own soul. Aaron lies about it. They gave me their gold. I cast it in the fire and the calf came out. And now Aaron is complicit in this apostasy. And so look what happens now. It goes deeper. So when Aaron saw it in verse 5, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Notice what he calls God. This graven image in breaking the law, the graven image and what he calls it. What he, uh, 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 this is your God, what he said in verse four. Notice what he's now calling the Lord. But it's not the Lord. It's evil. Satan has now come into the camp. I remember a pastor in California, the guy who was my uh, wife's father figure because she had an absentee father. She doesn't even like saying the word father because it's an absentee male, non-existent in her life. So this pastor was like her dad. And, you know, he would speak to me. And I wasn't really walking with the Lord. You know, I'd go to church, you know, and I'd just listen. Liz would sit next to me and interpret because it was a Spanish church. And I would catch a little bit, but she would like whisper in my ear what he's saying. And we had a Bible. One side was Spanish. The other side was English. And I remember talking to this pastor and it was like talking. His English wasn't good. But he would say, you know, just, just five minutes. You know, he would tell me just five minutes, Jay. Five minutes, read your Bible. Just five minutes. You know, he was in his accent, you know. And at the time, 20 years ago, give or take a couple years. 20 years ago, I, okay, yeah, he wants me to read his my Bible. Yeah, I get it. You know, he's a pastor. It's what he's supposed to do. But today, it's totally different. Today, it's totally different how I hear those words. I, I can replay it in my mind's eye. It's totally, totally different. To desire intimacy. To desire God's intimacy with another person. It's like, it's so beautiful. And that's the same thing that I say to everybody that the Lord allows me to teach. Just five minutes. Read your word. Read your Bible. Just five minutes. And when you're done, pray. Just five minutes. And then all of a sudden, the five minutes grows. It becomes 20 minutes. Because you have intimacy. You start to love the mountaintop. You start to love the, you know, envelopment of the cloud. Like the Hebrew says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you start to fall in love with them so much. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, five hours, 10 hours, 20 hours, being in the word and being in prayer. It blows me away so much. It trips me out because notice what he's calling God here. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, but it's a graven image. It's a golden calf. These are people who have no intimacy with the Lord, like Moses. 
And remember, Joshua is right there with him. Not in a cloud, but he's like right there. Was it polluted and corrupted like the others? Number two in command. I think that's so beautiful because we haven't got to Joshua yet. But already what we see right here, the Lord is like, his eyes roam the, the world. It's like, who is, who is the one who, he doesn't care, male, female, young, old. Who is the one whose heart can be next to mine? Who is the one? And he looks, he searches the hearts of men. He knows the motives. And he says, that's my guy. That's my girl. I'm going to use you. But Satan doesn't want that to happen. Just like we see right here. Just like we read in chapter 24, the Lord is saying, Moses, I'm going to spend time with you. Come up to the mountain. Let's have some intimacy. And then at the same time, I want you to go down and teach the people. Notice, Moses comes down and looks what he find, look what he finds. Then they, in verse 6, Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, notice, to the so-called Lord, the lowercase l. L-O-R-D, all lowercase, what they call the Lord. It's a golden calf. And brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. To play. Verse 25, you know, you see some sexual connotations here. Look at verse 25. It says, Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, in certain versions of the Bible, it translates as being naked. It literally says that the people were naked. And how it translates in the Hebrew is to be uncovered, to be bare, to be exposed, and to be naked. Moses saw that the people were unrestrained. Like a belt, you know? Think of a belt. You know, you take the belt off, think what's going to happen to the pants. I don't mean to sound gross in saying that imagery, but that, you know, think about in that restraint, you know, what a belt does, it restrains. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them. Instead of Aaron saying, you guys, this isn't right. This sin that's in the camp, it's not right. Instead, remember, Moses is the one who told them in chapter 24, wait here. Wait here. If the people have issues, let them come to you. But no, what happens? Uh, uh, the elders, Aaron and her and the elders, they go to the people. It's, it's a mess. Remember, Aaron wanted to be a man pleaser. Oh, you guys are naked? No big deal. You ladies want to wear this loose clothing? No big deal. Instead of saying, guys, cover up. Put some clothes on. These are, th I don't like speaking like this. Because, I mean, the subject matter, it's kind of, it's like, you know, come on. It's, but that's what's, that's what's so beautiful about the Holy Scripture. 
Because you see the character of our Lord and the character of people, the character of man. I'll put it another way. The character and nature of our Lord and you and me, our sin nature. Who is the one that's going to say, Lord, I don't like this golden calf anymore. I don't like this alcohol. I don't like this meth. I don't like this crack. I don't like this sex. I don't like this pornography. Not my will, thy will. And who are the man pleasers who would say, oh, no big deal. What's that? You're, you know, your sons and daughters, they're sexually active. Oh, no big deal. Come on, come to church. Let them be a worship leader. Who's going to say, no, this isn't right before the Lord? Look at what happens here in verse 7 now. <clears throat> Meanwhile, remember, Moses is on the mountain. In verse 7, the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, exclamation point, for your people, your people. Remember, in previous verses, in previous chapters, in previous books, he said, my people. He would speak of Israel and say, these are my people. But here in verse 7, he's saying, Moses, these are your people. Your people. You know, the people are not acknowledging the Lord, and so the Lord isn't acknowledging them. Does that ring a bell? You know, whoever acknowledged me before people, I will acknowledge before my father. You start to see a picture of like, that's right, you know, this woman that I saw on TV, it blew me away. National news, the, TV, the cameras were on her. And all these people were saying, oh, it's just homosexuality, no big deal. And she says, well, what does the Bible teach us? <laughs> Think about what, you know, going to work the next day was going to be like. And here this woman, she made her stand. And the Lord is telling Moses, go get down from the mountain for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves, have corrupted themselves. This is pretty big for Calvinists. Oh, God ordained me to be this way. I'm, or, I'm preordained to sin. You know, it's, wait a second, these people corrupted themselves. You see, in my Bible, the word themselves is kind of italicized, which means that there's variations to the uh, translations, but it translates as self-decay. How does this happen? Look at verse 8. The Lord tells us how it happened. They have turned aside. Literally translates in the Hebrew as to withdraw deliberately. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. All these things that the people have experienced. They were in, Israel, they were in Egypt under captivity, under bondage. And everything up until this point, the Lord brought them out of bondage. The Lord brought them out of Egypt. The Lord fed them. Now look, they have turned aside. Not just turned aside, but turned aside quickly out of the way. 
They withdrew deliberately. Oh, just a bunch of rules. You ever talk to people? I don't like the Bible. It's just a bunch of rules. What's wrong with rules? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with rules. I mean, we have rules on the highway. Nothing wrong with rules whatsoever. There's rules for our safety. We read the Bible. Yes, there are rules in Scripture. But there's, they're there for a reason. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. You know what's so interesting here? We know that God is omnipresent. He's all places at all. I mean, his, his, he's all places at all times. And he's with Moses. He sees what's going on at base camp at the bottom. The golden calf, Aaron, the elders. He knows that, you know, uh, Moses is in the cloud. He knows that uh, Joshua is a little bit further down. Not with the people, but he's a little bit further down. In in, uh, In these three tiers, notice who the Lord is speaking with. He's speaking. He's not speaking to Aaron. He's speaking to Moses. You see what's so beautiful about intimacy with the Lord? The Lord speaks. Loud and clear, the Lord speaks. I've had conversations, long conversations with people. Jay, you tell me the Lord speaks, but how does he speak? Well, he speaks from his word. But I don't, you know, what about this issue in my life? What do I do? Pray. Yeah, but I pray. Okay. You really want me to answer, brother? Yeah, I beg you, tell me. Okay. Open up social media. Click on your photos. Click on your words that you type. Look at these cuss words. You're dropping all these cuss words. I'm sitting here right across from you. I've seen you look at 10 women. And some of them are like the age of your daughters. You have too much chaos in your mind. There's too much mess. And not in your mind, in this temple. Where is your heart before the Lord? You need to repent. Get rid of all that stuff. Change your ways. Let the Lord give you a new heart and a new mind. And then all of a sudden, you won't look at these women. Your language will change. You're not going to cuss like crazy. You're going to have some kind of calming in your life. You're going to see green grass. You're going to see still waters. You're going to read your Bible. You're going to pray. And then something's going to happen. You'll hear. You're going to hear things. And when you hear these things, test them with scripture. Make sure they're from the Lord. And then in the course of time, 
you'll be able to say, I can hear from the Lord loud and clear. Lima Charlie, loud and clear. But you know what? That's intimacy with the Lord. It's so wild, you know, like all these people, the, the multitude of people, they're at the base camp. Joshua is with Moses, but notice who the Lord is speaking to. He speaks to Moses. We're going to see in a couple more chapters, the Lord specifically says, hey, I speak to Moses like he's my friend. And I think that's so beautiful. Because in Hebrews, remember, Hebrews teaches us that Moses was a servant in the household of God. Just like you and just like me. But you remember Jesus Christ told the disciples, you know, in the, like in, in the beginning, in the early stages of the Gospels. He says, you know, you're, uh, I'm going to teach you to be a servant. But you get towards the end of the Gospels and the Lord is saying, hey, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what, a, what the master is doing. I'll give you an example. Say, for example, Fur is like a super wealthy guy. Super duper wealthy guy. And he hires me to be his servant in his home. And I'm a new worker. I'm like brand new. I have no idea who he is. And you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know his nature. <clears throat> but I clean his house like crazy. It's the best sparkling clean everything. And then in the course of time, you know, I start to fall in love with him. And then he says, okay, Jay, you're free to go. You've served your time. You're free to go. And I say, you know what? I love you. I don't want to go. I want to be a bond servant. And so he puts a hole in my ear. And so like now when I'm a servant, the people see, you know, maybe I put a nice dinner down on the table and his dinner guests, they start to realize, well, this isn't just a servant. This is a bond servant that I had the opportunity to be free. But I rejected my freedom because I'm in love with my master. And then instead of being a servant, I become his friend. Where like I don't have to wonder, you know, is am I going to get the order to do this, 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 this? No, I love him so much. I start to understand his nature, his character so much that I just start to do it. Out of my love and adoration for him. That's how that works. That's what's so beautiful about these passages in the Old Testament. About the servanthood of Moses. The servanthood of Paul. Who they say were just bond servants. We read Hebrews. He's, Moses is just a servant in the household of God. The Lord is the master. Look at what happens here in verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses... I have seen this people, and indeed, it is a stiff-necked people, stubborn people. You know stubborn people in your life? I used to be a stubborn person. Sometimes I'm still stubborn. That's what's so cool about fellowship. Yeah, I'm stubborn in certain areas. I'm stubborn about this, but you know what? That iron. Man, that hurts. But then at the same time, you realize when the, when, the, when the hitting and the striking is done, you know, you blow it off and you realize, wow, that is sharp. More effective for combat. More effective for slicing, dicing, and stabbing. 
demons, the demonic realm. More effective for combat. More effective for warfare. Go to the VA hospital. Talk to some of those guys, young guys. 18-year-old kids with no legs, little stumps. A 70-year-old guy, no legs, just two stumps. A stump for an arm. Talk to these guys. Let them tell you about their wartime experience. And then talk to the women, too. The World War, uh, maybe Korea. Old ladies. Nurses. These are people who have seen combat. People who have experienced combat. People who have taken care of wounded guys. This is so beautiful about, you know, the sharpening. Indeed, this is a stiff-necked people. In verse 10, now therefore, let me alone. He's saying to Moses, leave me alone, Moses. Let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. It's hardcore words. He's telling Moses, Moses, leave me alone for a moment. I'm going to destroy everybody and I'm going to start fresh with you. Now, if Moses were prideful, he would say, okay, do your thing. But no, you start to see Moses is totally different. He's not who he was, you know, years ago when we when we first, you know, Exodus chapter one. I mean, we're just 32 chapters in now. Moses is a totally different guy because you start to see he starts to intercede for the people. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? This is a hardcore question. Moses is soon going to find out. Look at verse 19, a little fast forward here. But in verse 19, so it was as soon as he came near the camp that this is Moses coming, you know, closer to the camp. So it was as soon as he came down near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. No, it's like sexual stuff. Dancing like in a sexual nature. Remember, it's in verse 6, they rose up to play. They sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. You see in verse 25, they were the people were unrestrained. Translates as being naked, uncovered, bare, exposed. These are the people who a couple chapters ago said, yes, Moses, we will, be, we will obey. We will wait for you. We will be obedient to the Lord. Look what happens. You ever see people like that? You know, I, I, come to church. Have your hands up. You know, you're worshiping the Lord. Worship is going... You know, people are playing, singing the Lord, and they have their hands up. And you're like, wow, this is a cool guy, you know. After church, you talk with them, you know, okay, cool. Then you get a friend request. You go home, you get a friend request on social media. Oh, that's the guy I met, cool. You hit okay, accept, or whatever. And then you're like, what in the world? That guy had his hands up. He was worshiping the Lord. He was speaking Christianese to me. But look, on Saturday night, he was with this girl. At this club. 
at this bar. Then you keep scrolling. What in the world? On the previous day, on Friday night, he was at a different bar, a different club with this different girl. It's the same. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. But in verse 19, look at Moses. You know, Moses is asking the Lord in verse 11, like, why, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? He's about to find out in verse 19. He saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. He was mad. That's called righteous indignation. You know, it's okay to be angry. The Lord teaches us in your, in your anger, don't sin. It's not like, oh, I'm angry. And you take this big old block and you throw it at an old lady. It's not like that. that you know, don't sin in your anger. But when there's righteous indignation, we're about to see the application of that. When Moses says, okay, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he gives the people an ultimatum. If you guys want to be with the Lord, you come stand with me. That's what Aaron should have said. Aaron should have been, hey, you know, guys, this is wrong. You know, come stand with me. Let me show you these things. But no. The people were like, hey, Moses, we wanted, or Aaron, we want to do this. Aaron, we want to do this. He's like, okay, I'll do that for you. He was a man pleaser. But Moses, a God pleaser, a servant in the household of God, just straight up says, an ult hardcore ultimatum. If you want to be with the Lord, you come stand here. I love that so much. And so Moses is about to find out when he asks this question in verse 11, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He's about to find out. In verse 12, he asks another question. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from, your fa from the face of the earth? Remember, he's speaking to the Lord. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember in, you know, in uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth, availeth much. Now, if I were a Calvinist, how, how could anybody even question God? A Calvinist would say, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. You don't know his ways. You don't know what he's doing. You don't, you can't question God. God is sovereign. But here Moses is asking the question. Why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, remember, Isaiah is the one who says, come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. That's in Isaiah chapter one. Come and let us reason together. When you see, when you read and you understand the doctrines of Calvinism, when you understand and read the doctrine of Reformed theology, and then you read the Bible, it doesn't fit. So what do you do? You throw it in the trash. When you read and understand the doctrines of Roman Catholicism, the Book of Mormon, the Hindu Vedas. All these different forms of doctrines. 
and you have the Holy Bible, they don't line up, you throw it in the trash. Because the word speaks loud and clear. And then, this is the intercession of Moses. Remember, in verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, uh, uh, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. In all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. This, you know what we read in verse 11 through verse 13? That's the great intercession of Moses. Look at verse 14. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. You see, intimacy with the Lord goes both ways. It's a two-way street. I don't mean to imply that you can impose your will on the Lord. I don't mean to imply that in any way, shape, or form. But I'll say this. In your intimacy with the Lordship of Jesus Christ, your heart will change. Your mind will change. And you can pray unto the Lord and things happen. I can't explain it. It's supernatural. The heart of Moses is different. He's not the same Moses that we see in earlier chapters. He's different. The same way you are different. You might have come out of the world. And you spent some time with the Lord. And you're different. You're not the same. Look at verse 15. In closing. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. Remember, he's an old man. I have some. Like when I read this, when I was 20, I would read these verses. Maybe like when I was 23. I would read these verses. And, you know, it would just okay, he went down from the mountain. But now, you know, I'm kind of old. But, you know, like you, you can feel like certain inju- injuries, my shoulders, my knees, my ankles, my back, my hips, everything hurts. I remember there used to be old guys who would say like, okay, you're going to destroy your body. You're going to feel it when you're 40. You'll feel it when you're 40. And they're like, okay, okay, we get it. And he was right. You're going to feel it. I used to like, you see old people, they walk weird, you know, and it's like, man, that guy's walking weird. But then as I'm getting older, I start to realize that's the only way it doesn't hurt, you know? So you kind of walk weird because it doesn't hurt. And it's just going to get worse, you know? I know I'm going to get older. But so this he's an old guy. And he's not just walking down the street. He's like coming down a mountain. And oh, that's what I, I love about his obedience. Hardcore ministry for old people. It's kind of sad because, you know, you you talk to old people today who think they're like, there's no purpose for them in the church. Now, old people can't minister to the younger generation. It's always the the young guys who are, you know, in music ministry, the young guys who are doing this, the young women who are doing this. And it's all for show. Everybody wants to look a certain way. Hair's done a certain way. They dress a certain way. They got to look right. You know, they got to do their makeup just right. Put on their eyelashes just right. The guys have to wear their skinny jeans. They have to, you know, be a certain physique. And the old people just sit there like, okay, we're just going to accept this. 
hardcore, hardcore message for old people. Beautiful, beautiful old people. Walk with the Lord for one decade, two decades, three decades, four decades. They've had intimacy with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. How they can exhort the younger generation. But no, it's the younger generation that are stiff-necked. A stiff-necked people. That's what's so beautiful about humility before the Lord. To sit down and listen to another person and say, you know what? My brother is right. I do need to change. To sit down and listen and say, you know what? My sister is right. I need to change. That's the fellowship of the saints. And he's an old man. He's walking down the mountain. And in verse 15, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. So he's carrying the tablets. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other. They were written. Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua, remember in chapter 24, we see that Joshua was the assistant of Moses. And you know, Moses is coming down from the mountain. How he expected to see the elders there too. Uh, Aaron and her and the elders. But you know who was there? Only Joshua. Moses connects with Joshua. Nobody else. And the two, Moses and Joshua. I, see, Joshua, like, you know, like holding Moses, maybe holding his hand. He's an old guy, you know, like, I got to take this old guy, you know. He's an old guy. He's carrying these tablets, you know. Let me, like, help him. He might trip on these rocks. These two beautiful men coming down. And the Lord sees it all. And the Lord is saying, I like this Joshua guy. I think I'm going to use him in a couple chapters. And we're going to see what's beautiful, beautiful. He makes hardcore stands for the Lord. When he realizes he's an heir, he says, okay. You know, they start to lose battles. They lose a battle and the Moses and Joshua falls down before the Lord. And says, you know, Lord, we're losing these battles. What's happening? And the Lord responds and says, Joshua, why are you praying to me? You know that there's sin in the camp. He says, take care of the sin in the camp and then I will return to you. So he takes care of the sin in the camp. In the end of Joshua, the book of Joshua, you know, he's, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And the people say, yes, Joshua, we will do that too. A beautiful time of revival. It's kind of sad too, because all you got to do is turn the page and you get to the book of Judges. Uh, People who had forgotten. How fickle we are as humans. That's the danger of not having intimacy with the Lord. Yeah, I can spend 30 minutes, I can spend an hour, I can spend two hours watching TV. I could watch three hours, Lord of the Rings, I'll watch Lord of the Rings, I'll do the trilogy. And then I'll do the Hobbit after that. I'm not trying to say like, you know, you can't have entertainment. I'm not trying to come off like that. But remember that there's a God of this world that wants to pull you away from the Lord. 
And he's very crafty. He's been tricking men. He's been tricking women. He's been tricking young boys, young girls, all of humanity for ages. Thousands and thousands of years. He's very effective. But who are the ones who are going to want intimacy with the Lord? Who are the ones who will say, you know what? I know I could watch my Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I'm going to spend time with the Lord instead. And I'm not trying to come off like, you know, legalistic, which I've been accused of being. Oh, you're a legalist. I don't call legal. I don't call, you know, that's kind of an excuse. And people say, oh, you know, you say this, you say that. You're so you're such a legalist. Well, what you call legalist, I call obedience. And me, I'm going to be obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You, you know, you do what you want to do. I'm not speaking of you guys. I'm speaking like, you know. But people always say that. You're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. Look, if it wasn't for this fellowship, we wouldn't be friends. You know, I wouldn't even, you know, you, we're worlds apart. But because of this fellowship, I'm telling you, repent. This isn't good before the Lord. This isn't right before the Lord. And then all of a sudden, it's like, that's legalist. I like to get drunk Friday nights. I like to go clubbing on Friday nights, get a little buzz. And I'm single, so if I want to be with this girl one day and this girl the other day, no big deal. You're such a legalist. Well, what you call legalism, I call obedience. I'm just a messenger. And you can say the exact same too, because, you know, in your obedience to the Lord, people will say that to you. People will call you a legalist as an excuse for their own disobedience. That's all it is. It's an excuse. Oh, I just took this gold, threw it in the fire, and look, this calf came out. It's an excuse. But no, who's the one that's going to be like Moses? Hey, if you want to be with the Lord, you know, I'm standing with the Lord. If you want to be, you come stand here with me. It's not to be on a high horse, but it's to be like Stephen. Where his body is, yes, is with the world and in the world, but his mind, his heart, his soul is on the mountain with the Lord. That's what we're going to study on Sunday. You're going to see this beautiful man, Stephen. Beautiful, beautiful man. He's, there's certain people that I just can't wait to see. I have my, my list. I can't wait to meet. I can't wait to touch. I can't wait to hold, to embrace. And Stephen is one of them. And look at what happens here in closing. I know I said that before, but in closing, <laughs> in verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, this is Moses now. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat. But the sound of singing I hear, you start to see the people, they're rejoicing in their wickedness. They're rejoicing in wickedness. Dancing 
You know, they're sitting down to eat and drink and rising up to play. Hardcore sexual connotations there. Naked, being exposed, bare, uncovered, unrestrained. Just yucking it up. And then Moses comes back and he sees. We're going to see righteous indignation next week. It kind of, it's, it's sad too because think about Moses. He had, like, since chapter 25, chapter 25, 6, 7, 8, 9, 30, 31, and this beautiful intimacy, the things that the Lord has put on his heart, the things that the Lord told him about Aaron specifically. And now he comes down and look what he sees. It's like, wow, you know, it's such promise that the Lord has for you. Such promise that the Lord has for you. But no, your lifestyle, it has to change. And then you start to see the reason for the blueprints that were given. Redemption. Restoration. So it's not to say, hey, I'm going to get on my Christian high horse. It's to say, you know what? The Lord has a plan for your life. The Lord has such promise for you. And to lean on his promises. But you know what? There's sin. You need to repent. You need to receive Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord gives us blueprints too. Just as he did to Moses. The question is, who has ears to hear? Who is the one that's going to be set apart and consecrated to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And who is the one that's going to say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I like my crack. I like my sex, my drugs, my alcohol. I like it all. I like what the world has to offer. You see, these are crazy days that we're living in. One of the signs of the last days, just as the days of Noah, people will be, you know, eating, drinking, and giving into marriage, kind of like this, eating, drinking, and rising up to play. This is the world that we live in. It's not to say, hey, let's head for the hills. It's to say, hey, let's go into the world and be fishers of men, fishers of women. But first, we need to be prepared. We need to be equipped. And then we can go out. So we're going to end our study here. Kind of a long one.